0: Today is Thursday, December 12th, 2019. On this day in 1982, 56-year-old Dr. Charles Scudder and his partner, 44-year-old Joseph Odom, were murdered in their house in rural Georgia. The couple had recently built the estate, named Corpsewood Manor, to be their dream home. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the double murder of Dr. Charles Scudder and Joseph Joey Odom, an eccentric gay couple who were killed at their home in rural Chattooga County, Georgia. It began late on the evening of December 12th, 1982. The 10-year-old AMC Javelin wove through the winding wooded mountain road at a confident clip. Inside, four young people laughed and chatted, taking turns huffing from a bucket of something they called toodaloo, a noxious concoction of alcohol Paint thinner and glue. In the back seat, 18 year old Teresa Hutchins wondered what she'd gotten herself into. She'd been looking forward to her date with handsome 19 year old Joey Wells. But spending the evening at his mother's trailer wasn't exactly what she'd had in mind. So when Joey's uncle, Tony West, offered to take them for a drive, Teresa had jumped at the opportunity. Riding shotgun was 17-year-old Avery Brock, Tony West's roommate and Teresa's friend of several years. After driving around for a bit, Avery suggested they go up the mountain to see the devil-worshippers' house. Teresa blanched. She demanded, who and what are devil-worshippers? Avery laughed. They weren't really devil-worshippers just a couple of gay men who lived out in the woods and had a lot of homemade wine. Teresa was hesitant, but Joey liked the sound of free alcohol and promised Teresa it would be a good time. So she finally relented. As Avery passed her the toodaloo, Teresa noticed the 22 caliber rifle nestled between the front seats. A short while later, the javelin rolled down the narrow, dirt driveway of Corpsewood Manor. Teresa peered out the window at the two story, red brick building nestled amongst the trees. It was a strange house, almost castle like, with crooked columns and several regal archways. A pink gargoyle guarded the main entryway, from which a short, blonde man in his mid 50s emerged. The man, as Teresa would soon learn, was Dr. Charles Scudder, one of the house's two occupants. Just as Avery had promised, he didn't seem remotely annoyed to have visitors show up unannounced and invited them all inside for drinks. Scudder led the teens to a three-story building a ways from the main structure. Once inside, he lit a furnace and lantern and invited his guests to make themselves comfortable on the several mattresses that furnished what he'd dubbed the pink room. They talked and drank for well over an hour, Teresa slowly starting to relax. She wasn't sure if it was the wine or the toodaloo, but something in Charles Scudder's friendly, carefree demeanor simply made her feel comfortable. Avery Brock said something about getting more of the toodaloo from the car. When he returned, he was holding the rifle in his hands. Charles Scudder looked from Avery to the gun. Then he grinned and making a pistol with his fingers, jokingly said, bang, bang. Teresa screamed in panic as the scene devolved into chaos. 17-year-old Avery Brock passed the gun to Tony West and drew a knife from his boot. He held the blade to Charles Scudder's throat and demanded to know where the professor kept his money. When Scudder explained that he didn't keep any cash on hand, Avery hurled him down onto the mattress. He then began cutting a sheet into strips of cloth to bind and gag the older man. Now in a state of panic, Teresa and Joey bolted from the room. Uncle Tony picked up the gun and calmly followed after them, saying he didn't want to hurt anyone. The teens made it to the car, but the engine wouldn't start. Defeated, they allowed Tony to lead them back up the ladder to the pink room. After depositing the teens on a mattress again, Tony West passed the rifle to Avery and told him to go to the main house and see if Scudder's partner would say where the money was. Avery Brock found Joseph Odom in the kitchen, cleaning up from dinner. Before Odom could move, the teen shot him four times in the face. He then aimed a barrage of bullets at the couple's two large mastiffs, who never once moved from their comfortable spot by the furnace. West and Brock forced the terrified Teresa, Joey and Charles Scudder down the ladder and into the main house. Seeing his partner dead on the kitchen floor, Charles Scudder let out a moan of despair, ignoring his assailant's commands as he tried to crawl toward Odom's bleeding body. Tony West ordered him to sit down, but Scudder was either too distraught to think or past the point of caring. Gag now hanging around his neck, he muttered, I asked for this. Tony West shot him in the face at close range. Scudder fell to his knees, but tried to stand again. The next bullet sent him back into a bookshelf, though he continued to grunt unintelligibly until the third and fourth bullet entered his skull. The killers ordered Teresa and Joey to help them load any valuables in the car, but there was very little of value to take. As they ransacked the house, Teresa heard Charles Scudder begin to gurgle again. Avery Brock returned and fired a fifth and final bullet into his head. They left the house not long after, virtually empty-handed. In the chaos, neither the assailants nor the young hostages noticed a macabre painting hanging on the wall. The prescient self-portrait depicted Charles Scudder just as he died, with a gag in his mouth and five bullet wounds in his skull. Coming up, we'll learn more about the residents of Corpsewood and the aftermath of the grisly crime. Now, back to the story. On the evening of December 12, 1982, 56-year-old Charles Scudder and 44-year-old Joseph Odom were murdered, along with their two pet Mastiffs, at their home in Chattooga County, Georgia. It was a violent and shocking end for the couple, who had moved to the rural area in search of a simple, peaceful life. Only six years earlier, Charles Scudder had been working as a professor of pharmacology at the Loyola University of Chicago. Even in this more liberal setting, Scudder's open homosexuality and habit of dyeing his hair vibrant colors earned him a reputation as an eccentric, if brilliant, man. He ran government-funded experiments on the effects of LSD, was an accomplished harp player, and at one point owned a pet monkey. By 1976, Charles Scudder had grown weary of university life and longed for a simpler existence. On his 50th birthday, he quit his job and headed south with his partner, Joseph Odom and their two mastiffs. They purchased a 40-acre plot of land in the wooded mountains at the edge of the Chattahoochee National Forest, and got to work building their dream home. Construction on the manor took over a year with the couple laying each brick by hand themselves. When it was finally completed, they named the property Corpsewood Manor in honor of the haunting serenity bestowed by the bare, pale trees that littered the property. While the couple had been seeking a simpler life away from the judgment of urban neighbors, they were not looking for complete solitude. Rumors about wild sex and drug-fueled parties spread. Whether or not there was any truth to these stories, the couple seemed happy to share their homemade wine with Chattooga County teenagers. One of these was 17-year-old Avery Brock. Sometime in 1982, He stopped by Corpsewood Manor, asking for permission to hunt on the couple's land, and was invited up to the Pink Room. Brock was impressed by Scudder and Odom's house and effortless lifestyle, and wondered how they could afford to live without holding jobs. He told his roommate, 30-year-old Tony West, that he was certain that vast riches lay within the red brick walls of Corpsewood Manor. In reality, the couple had sunk nearly everything they had into building their dream home, a fact that Avery Brock and Tony West discovered as they ransacked Corpsewood Manor. After failing to lift Scudder's heavy golden harp out of the house, they fled the property in his black Jeep. Witness Teresa Hudgens wanted to go straight to the police, but Joey Wells was hesitant to turn in his uncle His mother, Tony's sister, held Teresa back for four days before she finally managed to contact the police and report the double murder. A national manhunt for the killers was launched. By Christmas, both Tony West and Avery Brock had turned themselves in, though not before killing another man while stealing his car. A search of Corpsewood turned up a number of peculiar items including two human skulls, three vials of LSD, and a small library of occult books. Most unnerving of all was a self-portrait of Charles Scudder that seemed to predict his death with chilling accuracy. The Chattooga County Sheriff's Department labeled the men devil-worshippers, a distinction that would be repeated by the press often as they followed the sensational story. Some in the community were convinced that the killers had done the right thing, a sentiment repeated by Tony West in his confession. He said, all I can say is, they were devils and I killed them. That's how I feel about it. Avery Brock and Tony West were found guilty of the murders of Charles Scudder and Joseph Odom, and each given life sentences. They remain in prison to this day. Meanwhile, Corpsewood Manor has become a local legend for Chattooga County, known as the place to go for ghost sightings. To a large degree, the sensational aspects of the story have eclipsed the tragic truth. As unusual as their lifestyles may have seemed to their new neighbors, Charles Scudder and Joseph Odom chose Corpsewood as their home for its beauty and serenity. They saw a place where they could live simply and peacefully for the rest of their days. Instead, they found violent, tragic, and needless deaths. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Kelleher, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.